I'm Tara Sotilli. And I'm Brandon Wright. Welcome back to another episode of COVIDcation, the podcast for students, by students, that looks at the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on us. Today, we'll be telling you the stories of entrepreneurs and small business owners impacted by COVID-19. This year at school, we learned a lot about small businesses in and around Ontario's Durham region. You'll often find yourself driving around the city, seeing all of these storefronts, but you never consider the stories of the people behind the counter. Tara, I know a lot of your best stories this year came from interviewing small business owners. Whether it was Crave Donuts and Whippy or Deadly Grounds Cafe and Curtis, you always found the people story behind the business. Some of these businesses have been able to find alternative ways to stay open during the pandemic, while others have had to close. I know Crave, for example, is still selling out of its donuts every single morning through website pre-orders. Personally, I still haven't even been able to get an order through. It's almost like they've gotten busier since the lockdown started. Well, Brandon, my birthday's actually coming up on May 8th, aka the day the show comes out. And all I want is an order of a dozen Crave Donuts to fall in my lap. In saying that, you definitely don't realize the amount of work and passion that people put into their business until you get a chance to speak to them. I know this week you discovered a small business in Northern Ontario that's coping with the COVID-19 pandemic, not just its impact on humans, but also animals. I spoke with one of the head trail guides from Honora Bay Riding Stable, Miranda McKay. The stable is on Manitoulin Island, about six hours north of Toronto. The island is extremely rural with a population of the entire island being less than 15,000 people. I spoke with Miranda on Skype, and during the call, we dealt with a few connection issues. If anything, though, this just speaks to how we produce the show every single week. On the call, she told me the whole stable had to close to the public because it was not deemed an essential service by the Ontario government. We can't have any anybody coming in for trail rides or lessons. Uh, so we have, we have no business from that. Um, yeah, that's, 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 that's how that is. We just don't have any business. So Brandon, she mentioned trail rides and lessons. Is that the bulk of their business up there? So the stables are riding stable and Miranda told me they have anywhere from 20 to 30 horses at a time and usually about 20 students. Once school is out, so um, July and August, we would do week long summer camps. So we'd have uh, five, five kids in summer camp, and it would be from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., just solid horses for those three hours for the, the five days in a week. And uh, the barn is also open for public trail rides, and that's, that's the, biggest, the biggest chunk of business is the trail rides. It must be so hard for them now. If you think about it like a teacher, they come in every morning and they have their 20 to 30 students in class. And now it would be like going to class and having none of your students there. And because the stable was closed and there's no money coming in, Miranda isn't actually making any money right now. But she hasn't stopped working because she loves the horses that much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just I love, I love it so much that it's, it's okay that I'm not being paid right now. I know that I'll have a paying summer job. Um, a little bit later in the year, um, and I am not, I'm not getting any money. I do qualify for the um, the government 
funding right now. So since they have no money coming in and there's no money to pay the staff, how exactly are they paying for these horses? Because I know they're not the cheapest and they cost a pretty penny. So can you give me some examples? Like how are they eating? So as I mentioned, the stable has anywhere from 20 to 30 horses at a time. Some of them are theirs, while others are owned by someone else, but being housed at the stable. Regardless, each horse costs about $100 a month to feed, and Miranda says that their stable is in a very lucky position. We are very, very thankful that um, we own our property. We don't rent from anybody. And on our property, we have two very large barns that are full of hay. We have enough hay that we don't have to worry about not being able to feed the horses right now. Um, and we're coming into summer, so the horses will be able to go out on our grass pastures. Miranda also told me that the stable owner, Kyla Jansen, is a certified farrier. That means she can trim and care for the horse's hooves on her own, rather than bringing in someone to do it every six weeks at about $40 a horse. Okay, now that's pretty cool. Anyway, that a small business can cut costs but not the quality of what they're doing is so important. But that brings up a really tough question. The Toronto Star did a story a few weeks ago that looked at stables across the country facing tough financial hits. Some of these stables have had to consider putting their horses down. Has Honora Bay had to make these decisions? Right, it's, it's a very tough question and I'm just gonna let Miranda answer that on her own. Seeing those posts is, it's heartbreaking. Um, for, um, sorry, <laughs> um, for a lesson barn, um, horse that can tolerate little kids riding on them, not knowing what they're doing, pulling them around, um, a horse that can tolerate somebody learning on them is, they are worth a million dollars. Um, We, um, at Honora Bay Riding Stable, um, we can't imagine ever um, having to put down one of our million dollar ponies because we couldn't feed them. Um, we would definitely look at selling them first. And we actually, we, we have had to do that. Um, Kyla sold her, her personal horse um, to be able to pay for the hay for this coming season. Um, that was an extremely hard decision to make. Um, like he's been he's been here for a couple of years, and she has put uh, a ton of time and love and effort into uh, working with him and training him and riding him. Like she she loved him, uh, but his uh, um, the money that he made for the stable by selling him. But it, it needed to it needed to happen. Talking to Miranda, I learned that while working with horses is her job, she also loves them like any of us would love a dog or a cat. I could hear the smiles when she mentioned her day-to-day -day rides, but I could also hear the sadness when the conversation shifted to difficult subjects. I really felt like I connected with Miranda when she talked about the million dollar ponies. We all have something we love that we could never imagine being without. I think it also speaks to the type of decisions all small businesses have to make right now. Brandon, we're so lucky that we can create this podcast from the safety of our homes, but a lot of people don't have that luxury. 
Hearing Miranda talk about it really shows how the weight of certain decisions for small businesses are greater than any of us could ever imagine. So earlier in the show, you mentioned Crave Donuts, and I instantly started to think about similar businesses. Crave actually adapted pretty early and was able to transition its orders to online. One of my favorite cafes, Broxtree Espresso in Whippy, is about to reopen for takeout on Monday. And there's a frozen yogurt shop in Brooklyn, Ontario, that's open for takeout as well. Melanie actually caught up with the owner of the Goodberry and learned that the transition has been a tough one. Sheila Corrigan owns The Goodberry in Brooklyn, Ontario, a small cafe that serves frozen yogurt along with specialty teas and coffees. The 51-year-old says it's always been a dream, and after losing her job, it finally became a reality five years ago. It was uh, a new venture for me. I'd, uh, previously, I did event management, um, so this was a huge departure and a, a, a whole new kind of adventure for me. Um, but they... Uh, realization of a dream as well. I knew I always wanted to have my own business, so um, that was it. I uh, was laid off on my job after 17 years, so I kind of thought, well, this is my opportunity. Do I want to return to corporate life, or, you know, if I'm ever going to start my own business, this is the time to do it. Corrigan and her family have lived in Brooklyn for nearly 25 years, and she noticed the area was missing a place for people to hang out and enjoy being downtown, which the Goodberry now fulfills. That was until COVID-19. With COVID, I had to let my staff go. I only had two other staff members at the time, so I had to lay them off because sales were just so bad. Um, I couldn't afford the payroll, so um, I cut their shifts, and because of that, I cut my hours down. It was really, really quiet the first, first few weeks. Um, our sales were down like 85%, which is pretty, pretty scary, and you think, like, why am I even open? But you know, I thought if I get just some cash coming in to help me pay some of the bills, you know, I'm obviously not gonna be able to pay everything, but every little bit helps. The hours aren't the only thing that's changed at the Goodberry. Corrigan says she's had to change her menu. Instead of offering sandwiches and salads, she's now selling in bulk, whether that's soup or their well-known frozen yogurt. She's also moved her business online, where customers can order their food and pick it up in store or call ahead to have Corrigan bring the order to their car. With our business, everything that we were about was kind of that feeling and that atmosphere in our cafe. Like people like to come in and hang out and it's just nice ambiance with music and lighting and stuff like that. And you can find your friends and just kind of relax. Um, so that was all gone now. You can't do that. You can just come in and go. So um, online sales was never really a big thing for me. So I had to learn how to add um, e-commerce onto our website. So, and because of everything that was going on with COVID, I couldn't hire somebody to do it right away. Everybody in that line of work is so busy right now because so many businesses were in the same boat as me. We're all trying to get online sales now um, and contactless delivery. With little knowledge in this side of the industry, Corrigan says moving her business online took about a month. 
She says it was a tedious, painstaking process to complete during these crazy times, but became a much needed distraction. You know, with, with personal stuff going on with family members who are vulnerable and exposed to this and everything else that's going on and, and finances and stuff, it's like, oh my God, I really don't want to sit down and spend the time on a hundred different variables of how somebody's going to build their bowl of frozen yogurt, right? But um, in some ways, it's like I said, you have to love what you're doing. Um, and in some ways, that kind of was a, a way for me to deal with things because um, I do have family members like my parents who are older and maybe vulnerable and are exposed. My mom's in a nursing home, so there's a lot of concern and worry there. Um, but work can be uh, sort of a healing distraction for me. Corgan says she's very lucky to have understanding landlords during these times. She says not all business owners are in the same situation. She says a lot of workers are having a hard time making ends meet during this pandemic. You know, cash flow is, is really tight sometimes for people. Um, and, and you know, losing half a month of sales would kill somebody that all of a sudden they can't pay their rent, right? If you have a few weeks bad, okay, you can probably get through it. A month bad business, yeah, probably. Uh, but longer than that, I don't know. I think a lot of businesses probably will close down. Corrigan says she really wants people to support small businesses now more than ever. Small businesses don't have the cash flow. We don't have the savings in hand to get through. Um, uh, so they really need the support. Um, and you're really helping out a local family um, and a local community. Just try to spread the word to support small business and uh, especially in your community because uh, it means the world to us. It really does. In Whitby, Ontario, I'm Melanie Lennon. Personally, Tara, I have spent a lot of time during this pandemic binging Netflix and eating snacks, usually at the exact same time. Lots and lots of snacks. Obviously, I relate to every word you just said, Brandon. Food is definitely a comfort during these uncertain times. It just hits differently. You know, unfortunately, with all the sweets and junk food we're eating, there's actually nowhere for us to go for any regular dental checkups. Fiona spoke to her aunt, who's a dental hygienist and owns her own office. She says her business's future is uncertain. Like many others, I know a couple people affected by the COVID business restrictions. My aunt, Julie Gorman, who is a dental hygienist, had to completely shut down her business. She usually splits her time between an Ajax dental office and her own office, North Durham Dental Hygiene. Julie runs and works at her office by herself, offering cleanings, checkups, and teeth whitening. I talked to her over the phone to find out how she's feeling during this time. How often did you work before? Right, so the one, my one office is my own. Um, so that place I would probably work three to five days a week. It just depended on how busy I was. Um, and then the other office I would work two days a week. So that was my, the other office was with a general dentist. 
And when did you have to close your practice and what was the process of closing it like? I closed the clinic probably a little bit sooner than um, what the government and like what the provincial government had stated because I knew of the risk already when they had been talking about, um, you know, aerosols in the air and that we create aerosols. I knew that our job was very high risk, so I didn't want to take that um, chance. So I actually probably closed, I would say, um, I think March 7th was my last day. And then um, the offices closed uh, probably... Um, I think the following week. Did you have to call and cancel appointments or just say that they're on hold until further notice? Yeah, so I just actually really um, called them and just said, um, you know, we're going to have to we're going to have to reschedule at another date. But we have no idea when we are going to be able to open safely. Julie says the future of her business is uncertain right now. She doesn't know when she will open. And when she does, she'll have to renovate her clinic and create closed-off rooms. A bit of a gray area because, um, you know, they've kind of said that you you can practice, but you cannot be generating any aerosols. So that means no polishing, no high-speed hand pieces. Um, You know, keeping it actually as low as possible, but... um, What's going to have to happen is is there's going to actually have to be construction being done at clinics and offices to make sure that, you know, each room is closed off. They haven't said anything about having a system where they have like an air purifier system. But, you know, if you're generating aerosols, then, you know, you have the chance of spreading the disease because it stays in the air. With the money she is losing being closed and the possibility of doing renovations, Julie says selling the clinic is an option. It's up in the air. I think um, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. In Whitby, Ontario, I'm Fiona Campbell. Julie just said something I think we can all agree on, that everything is up in the air. For me personally, the last month and a half has been full of up in the air. For a little while, I had no idea if I was still flying to Kelowna at the end of May or not. It's the same for me. I was supposed to be scouting out spots this summer for my future wedding, but now I can't do that. The thing is, though, we certainly aren't alone. A lot of business owners are feeling the exact same way. And one of these people is Jill Hamilton, a photographer from Whitby. Melanie spoke to her about the challenges of being a photographer during this pandemic. Jill Hamilton is a 45-year-old photographer and mother of four based out of Whitby, Ontario. Hamilton worked as a legal assistant law clerk for many years, but always had a passion for photography. After having her kids, she decided to turn her creativity into a career. So about 10 years ago, I started my business. I had been um, doing photography for myself uh, personally for probably 10 years before that, just honing my skills, wanting to capture the moments of my kids growing up and just events that were happening. And in that time frame, um, you know, giving out photos at different events, you know, going to this kid's school and taking pictures and then printing them off and giving them people, people were like, you need to actually charge for this. So one day I just decided that, yeah, I was going to do that and opened up a Facebook page and within an hour had a client. 
So um, that's what started 10 years ago. And from that time, I still have some of those same clients from my first year. She says some days were busier than others. Sometimes she would have sessions at her home studio, other days she would attend events. Hamilton says there were days spent shooting photos and days dedicated to editing. However, since the COVID-19 outbreak, her business has come to a halt. It's uh, interesting in the fact that before it even became a pandemic, I was starting to see the loss of business. Um, I had two conferences booked that had both been sort of put on hold and then outright canceled. Um, right before like before schools were even you know closed you know as this has gone on i had cadet corps that i was supposed to shoot um that you know like the whole ministry of defense has department of defense has canceled everything until september so all of that is gone um so business-wise as well as i've been uh classed as a non-essential service i cannot do any types of sessions um, so that means, you know, all, all my income, everything that I've worked for to book was all gone. She says small business owners were put in a difficult position with the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. Initially, they couldn't earn an income outside of the $2,000 provided by the government each month, or they risked losing the benefit. There was a whole big push for supporting local, supporting, lo you know, small businesses, yet if we took this money, you know, if somebody in the community wanted to buy a gift certificate or buy some images, you know, additional images from a session they had a while back, if I took that money, I voided the government money. Now the government has changed that. Now we can make a thousand dollars on top of receiving the government money. So I can't turn, I don't have to turn someone away and say, I'm sorry. I really appreciate the fact that you want to support me as a small business, a local business, um, but I can't accept it right now, which really, it was hard to do. I sort of feel that this time is a blessing in allowing us to work on things we didn't have time to do. Hamilton says these changes have been difficult to handle, but she's trying her best to focus on the positives. Changes in general, having the kids home is hard. Um, some are working harder, some are working less when it comes to schoolwork, and, and that can be a struggle now learning to try and be a teacher as well in this time frame. Um, Work-wise, again, I'm looking at it as a blessing to, you know, I've got this massive to-do list and now I'm able to tick some of those things off. So I'm feeling good about that. Um, I'm working on you know, revamping my website, updating my social media, doing blog posts that I hadn't done before looking at a new revenue stream with um, landscapes and, and wildlife that I used to do just for passion you know seeing if there's some revenue that can come out of that are all ways that I can you know keep my business going looking forward Hamilton says it's going to take a while for her business to return to normal I think it's gonna be slow I think you know, the studio sessions, you know, people are going to be apprehensive about coming into my home because my studio is here. The fact that you still want to keep that social distance. I have a long lens. I don't need to be close to people. I would generally, you know, help people into poses sometimes, fix hair, those types of things. So it might be a little bit more of a conversation and directing people uh, versus going there and, and helping and touching and, you know, to fix. In Whippy, Ontario... I'm Melanie Lennon.
it's really interesting that Jill mentions how things are going to be different for quite some time. I mean, I already forget the feeling of sitting down in my favorite cafe and some of my favorite restaurants. We're now two months into our quote-unquote new normal, and I'm definitely still not used to the changes. I have to remind myself that almost everything around me is closed, or at least changing the way they operate. For example, restaurants across the province are open and essential, but they've had to shift their services to fit new social distancing rules. Tracy spoke to celebrity chef and owner of Twist Catering in Pickering, Ontario, Latoya Fagan. They talked about the changes she's made to ensure she can still provide fresh cooked meals for her customers. So sorry for the wait, guys. Don't worry about it. But the chicken's fresh off the drum. Thank you. Latoya Fagan has been in the catering and event planning business for more than 15 years. She created Twist Catering with a Caribbean-infused vibe to her cooking. She recently won CBC's Fridge Wars. She has also been a food consultant on the Marilyn Dennis Show and has been a personal chef to the Toronto Raptors. Although they were great opportunities, she says they weren't her focus. Her business was. So, three years ago, she decided to expand and open a spot in Scarborough. She was doing so well that eventually she decided to acquire the space adjacent to hers to expand her business even more. Um, originally, it was to run all of our like cooking classes out of, also like to have a hot station for people to come and sample, because that's how our menus work. Our menus were based on what we were catering that day. So it was always everything, and we still do that now, though everything's made from scratch. We just kind of go by, hey, what did we get in today? Let's do this. Her services range from catering corporate and private parties to brunches and special dinner events. Then the pandemic struck. Latoya has had to change her services, and now her future plans are uncertain. Right now, I'd be going into wedding season. Like, I've had three weddings canceled on me, right? So, like, wedding season would be big right now, especially baby showers, bridal parties, things like that. And then we get ramped up for summer, all the festivals. I do a lot of work with Restaurants Canada, so getting ready for all those festivals. And then I headline Jerkfest. You know, I was Chef Caravana. Um... You know, I don't know what's happening. I was supposed to be on the chef stage for CNE. Tiff, I don't know what's happening. So, yeah, I'm going to take some six-figure financial losses this year. And there's nothing I can do about it. I just dumped $150,000 into a space that can't be used because the space was to be rented out. My space is almost 3,000 square feet. You should come check it out one day. Latoya has had to change her services, and her future plans are uncertain. Social distancing guidelines have changed many aspects to Latoya's business. She says she goes from her home to her kitchen every day and has all her ingredients and products delivered to her. She doesn't even go into the bank, choosing to do her banking online instead. She finds the whole new way of doing business surreal. Latoya says the hospitality industry has been hit the hardest and it may never recover in part because of the very premise on which it is built. My business is based on social gatherings, and that is a thing of the past as of right now. Zero interaction, you know, like you, you basically call, pull up, pop your trunk, or have your back door open, we drop the food, see you later. There's no communication, there's no talking. Maybe if somebody I know, there might be like, hey, how are you? Like, I'm at the door, hey, how are you, kind of thing. And we keep it moving, but yeah, 
it's definitely, you know, financially a big difference, right? Like you make money from big parties, not from daily stuff, but I am grateful that I can make something right now. So I don't want to come off like I'm not being grateful. God knows I am. Latoya loves her profession. She says she loves everything about food, the smell, the flavor, the colors, and combining the raw essence of ingredients to create something that tastes out of this world. She says there is something about the way food brings people together and the way it makes them feel. Latoya has always wanted to spread that feeling. She says, though, that the way businesses like hers do that will be forever changed. I think you need to understand something. It's like when 9-11 happened, the world changed forever. Um, we can't go back to what we were. Um, I don't see people being fully comfortable sitting on a patio with their food open and 50 people around them talking, eating, spitting, just airborne, right? You know, and that's the thing, like, you know, hugging how you greeted somebody before, shaking somebody's hand, like, you know, I don't, I think those are things that we need to, I, I say, you know, God willing, may we see that resemblance maybe in 18 to 24 months. In Whitby, Ontario, I'm Tracy Bowers-Lee. Something really stuck out for me in Tracy's conversation with Latoya. When she mentioned the fact that she's going to lose so much money this year, it really sends home that message that a lot of small business owners have been put in a really tough spot since the COVID-19 shutdown began. Another one of those people directly affected is Ajax Ontario's Matthew Forlito. At the age of 23, he owns his own company called Forlito Structures Incorporated. He's a licensed carpenter, and as of right now, he can't do what he loves, which is building houses. Ryan spoke with him about his company and its future. Matthew Ferlito started his house building business three years ago and is happy he did. Ferlito felt like he was in a spot in his career where it was better to be his own boss. After about four and a half years of working uh, for the same company, I was at the point where I could do everything that my boss could do without him being there without supervision and not have any problems. Um, so at that point, it was time for me to go out on my own um, to do my own thing. Work is something Ferlito takes seriously. As they normally build around 15 houses, this year they were on pace to build even more. So when the COVID-19 lockdown was announced, he tried his best to continue working as much as he could. The first rules that the Premier made for Ontario, we were fine. They didn't shut down any construction. It was just as, just continue as go. Uh, a couple of the sites wanted to start limiting different trades in each uh, house. It was just one, one company pretty much at a time. Um, which was fine for the first couple of weeks until they started the second um, implement of who's essential and who's not. And they were not allowing any uh, builders or homeowners to get a footing permit, which pretty much shut us right down. A shutdown was the last thing Felito expected. But even while he was able to work, it was hard for his workers to feel comfortable and safe while on site. Yeah, the first couple of weeks we were working, it was, you know, a little bit eerie for them. Obviously, they'd be more comfortable staying at home than dealing with, you know, we could have up to 100 people on site in a massive subdivision, right? So there's a lot of interactions. We'd only have, you know, one communal uh, porta potty for everybody. So everyone's touching their hands on the way in, the way out. 
Um, the woods all kind of shared. So there's a lot of uh, contact between people. Since then, he has been unable to work. And that's been costly for his business, as he is still unsure whether he will see the money from his recent jobs or not. A solid 70% of my wages have been cut now that uh, we've been shut down completely. And I'm still waiting on checks from other contractors that we've uh, completed work on because they're shut down, they're behind on their, uh, their bill payments and everything. So I'm still waiting on uh, a good chunk of change, which you know might hopefully come in the next couple of weeks, but it might come once COVID's all done and these contractors are back to work and get paid from the builders, which then they can pay us. Fidel had a lot of jobs lined up that he couldn't even start, which has put him in a hard spot. I was not pleased. Um, Especially, we've only been a bit, this is our third year in business, and uh, things have been going really well lately. And we had a bunch of work lined up. We were, we were pretty much booked up until the middle of June anyways. So it would be nice to be working, and that's, you know, this is what I love to do. I love being outside building everything. I'm not happy with what's going on, but I do understand that it is the right thing that needs to be done in order for us to get over this global issue. Even with an uncertain future, Felito has hope for a small business and a plan if things don't return to normal. I think we'll be okay, provided that the, because right now everything's shut down. And if everybody doesn't have any money to be able to continue to buy houses or pay for renovations or do upgrades on their house, anything like that, um, that's what we do. So if that, that market really slows down, then we're going to be um, in a bit of a tough situation. We have to look for other different opportunities that we can um, complete as a company other than just doing home construction. Ferlito loves to work, so he's still been doing some home renos for his family during this time so he doesn't get bored. Currently, um, I've just been at my parents' place helping them out, doing a couple renos for them, because I've always been busy for the last three years, and they've always wanted to, oh, we want to do the floors, we want to do the kitchen, so now that I'm off, I can help them out and do some, uh, do some work for them while I don't have anything to do. In Oshawa, Ontario, I'm Ryan Hahn. Matthew mentioned that his company is going to face a backlog of projects once the summer is over. And personally, I think a lot of places are going to find that to be the case. Think about all the people who will want to book doctor's appointments, eye appointments, or even dentist appointments once the offices all reopen. Even in landscaping, there's a lot of backlogs. I spoke to Mike Pennington, owner of Paver King in Oshawa, Ontario. He told me about how many clients have had to push back their projects to the fall? This sound is quite familiar to Mike Pennington, owner of Paver King in Oshawa, Ontario. He started his company just over a year ago. Pennington is a landscape contractor who creates and builds residential and commercial stone walkways and patios. So far, the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting just how much work he and his crew will be able to do this summer. So last year, uh, the business started in April, but we didn't actually start working until around the first week of May. So technically, we haven't lost any income over last season. But I mean, realistically, with the weather, we've probably lost six weeks worth of work. So, um, you know, for us, we're probably looking at like $250,000 in losses, somewhere around there. But I mean, we're still going to do that work. We're just, you know, in this, in our business in particular, we hope that the earlier we start, we only get so many years, like out of 10 years, you might only get three where you can start in the middle of March. So 
that it happened to be this year was lousy. Since the provincial government began the lockdown in Ontario mid-March, Pennington hasn't been working. As of May 4th, contractors and landscapers are allowed to start work again. But Pennington says a lot of his jobs for this season have already been pushed to the fall. So we haven't had anyone out cancel, but we have had all, our, all of our work we were supposed to be doing right now has been delayed until October, September, October. So as we sit right now, our struggle is that we have no actual place to go. If they told us that we could go to work tomorrow, we don't actually have a job to go to. For landscape contractors, summer is when they earn the bulk of their money. They often start as early as possible in the season, so they're able to make money to tide them over for the winter months. Some landscape contractors also plow snow over the winter as a second source of income, but Pennington is not one of them. Even though projects aren't cancelled, the postponing of them until fall means Pennington will be missing out on the most profitable season. This drags on into July, a lot of people will just say we'll do it next year, uh, which one would be really bad. I think that for most landscapers, the problem is going to come next spring because everyone works right now and then works very hard all year. And if you don't plow snow, um, if we have a late spring next year, that's where I think it's gonna have a big effect on the landscaping business. And I think that's where you're gonna see people really struggle is if they, they haven't built up enough money and you only have eight months really to build up your money. The COVID-19 pandemic is just another road bump that Pennington says he'll get through. I think that for, for me and my life, I do the best when the odds are the worst. So. I believe strongly we'll be okay. I, my whole life I've enjoyed the climb a lot more than being at the top. In Oshawa, Ontario, I'm Tara Sotelli. Next week, we're taking a look at yet another group of people who have been impacted by COVID-19. All of those working in the music industry. On the next episode, we'll hear from Oshawa's very own Judgment, Oshawa City Councillor Derek Guyberson, and a concert photographer. We'll also hear from Oseko, a hip-hop artist from Bowmanville, Ontario, and about the impact COVID-19 is having on his music career. I'm just kind of figuring out how to be a winner and not, and not be like somebody that seeing what was going on outside, seeing the pandemic and was just quitting. So I'm just trying to figure out how to win. But that's all for this week's episode of COVIDcation. Thank you so much for joining us. As we just mentioned, next week we'll be speaking to pop punk band Judgment. Right now, the band is focusing its time on a Canadian Mental Health Association campaign, already raising more than its goal of $500. We'll leave you with their song, November. Lie to myself when I say it's okay, I feel held down. And I can't get away from the silent Silent screams I can hear fall like leaves now Now that winter is here The season, yeah, you led me astray. I need the strength to escape.